Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome back to Sofa oh, Cinema Club. Shit. I'm Colton <laughs> Smith, and as always, I'm joined by Chuck P. Shepherd. Okay, <laughs> now I never know what the second name is. Just say the first. Ben Bonsan. The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together to educate each other on films. Now it's all about the films we should have seen, but we haven't. Each week, we set a film for the other person to watch, and then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated, and rated. Now, the beauty of our film club is that anybody can join in. All you have to do is watch along with the film at home and then join us every Thursday to find out what we thought. This week, it is Jack and Ben's last pick of the series, and it is the French black and white film that is La Haine. But before we get into talking all things La Haine, because <laughs> I know I've said it wrong on one of the no, times. No, La Haine. La Haine. La Haine. I thought I said it wrong then because Jack gave me the disapproving look on the Zoom. No, I was laughing at the black and white. I just I, I just find it funny that you have to mention it's in black and white. Like it's basically from the 30s. <laughs> yeah. The black and white silent movie <laughs> made in 1995, La Haine. When actually it's almost the same age as me, but I make it out like it's really old. But before we get into talking all things that black and white silent movie, Lane, <laughs> um, as always, how's your week been? Got to start with you, Jack. You've had a big weekend, haven't you? It wasn't really big. I mean, only because I, we were messaging a little bit at the weekend. I had the kids at the weekend. You try and organise some sort of activity. Fun dad. Yeah. My sister had organised um, Trampoline World. I don't know what the official Jump Nation. No, I'm not. I don't think it was. They've all got quite good, like punny names, haven't they? Yeah, Trampoline Land. Yeah, <laughs> Bouncerama. Yeah, they've all got great names. They're all very clever. Skippy Doo, <laughs> the House of Bounce. House of Bounce. That's good. It's good. Let's open one. <laughs> Sofa Cinema Club. Do the House of Bounce. <laughs> so yeah we went in there and oh my god you know you don't wear masks anymore do you like when you go in place you wish you had yeah but not just for the fear of getting recognized more so it was the stench of just vomit <laughs> it absolutely hit me 
like a wall in the face. <laughs> so where, when are the kids... Are the kids puking because they've gone on, they've bounced. They've eaten some chips. I mean, it was all carpet, like, area and, like, reception. Oh. Oh. Can you imagine the old Henry Hoover's being on that? <sighs> trying to get it all off. And oh. it just stank. And, oh, it was awful. Anyway, so adults go to, like... The cafe bit to sit the there. viewing platform. The viewing platform. That's it. So we're on there. Kids run riot. Go riot. Go run about. So hold on. It's loads of trampolines. Yeah. In a room. Yeah. Just go and trampoline. Is the people making sure they don't die? Yeah. There's yeah. There's like workers and that, and you know people like milling about and making sure. Or don't go. You know. There's sort of height restrictions for certain trampolines and stuff like that. They have to wear socks as well, don't they? <laughs> you know a lot about this, Colson. In fact, I'll, so I'll interrupt Jack because I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to end up throwing someone under the bus here. The fourth member of Sofa Cinema Club, the um, post lady, head of admin, Jane Smith, my mother, Oh yeah, um, goes to a keep fit class on the trampolines. <laughs> so there's, there's one at Escape called Gravity. And they do like a keep fit class on the trampolines, Ben. And apparently it's carnage because like new people come and they're like trying to get used to the bouncing. And it can be quite dangerous if you don't like pace yourself. But yeah, mum mum loves it. You, you're on your trampoline. But they're small ones, aren't they? No, this is this is on, on the thing, Ben. Of oh, the massive trampoline. It's loads of big ones put together, isn't it, Jack? No, but your one your mum's doing is small trampolines. That's how they do the things, isn't it? No, it's it's it is it's on the thing. From oh, it's what on I like have... Jump Nation. What? There's like fucking fifty. Yeah, it's like there's like thirty of them all jumping away. <laughs> it's not like on individual trampolines. <laughs> so you got if your timing's wrong, one of you's in the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Somersault, somersault, star jump, star jump. Yeah. Fucking hell! Fuck so imagine hell. Ben, we 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 see it in our gym. It's um, it's surra- the it surrounds the pool. So we always see them doing water aerobics, don't we? Yeah, the girl who does it is mint. But it looks like a right laugh, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks great. Brilliant. So imagine that on a trampoline. I quite fancy it. Does your mum like it? Yeah, but then she <laughs> a few years ago she fell over in the ice and broke her wrist, and that she hasn't gone back. Hold since. on, hold on! I don't find that funny at all. She broke her wrist. <laughs> what on the trampoline? No, no, she slipped <laughs> no. on the ice and broke. Well, hold her on, wrist. why have we got ice in here now? We've got our fucking trampolines onto ice. Does she do ice aerobics? <laughs> no, that does. I don't think that's going to catch on. Five, six, seven, eight, glide. <laughs> that, do you know what? That that could be the next one. That, that could be the next one. Let's jump all the way back, shall we, to Jack on a trampoline in a land of puke. So I'm upstairs in the cafe area. And someone trampolines upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you see one of your kids at the balcony. Oh, Dad, I can't stop. Well, so you can see kids jumping. But you know, like what Colson said, how it's just a free-for-all. It's just like a Royal Rumble. <laughs> Everyone's just jumping on this, like, one trampoline or whatever. But you know, if you jump and one kid's heavier than the other, if you jump in his jump, you ping off. So I'm seeing all these kids, like, ping off. And then my kids were coming upstairs and they're going, I need a drink, I need a drink, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. So I go, right, okay. I go down to the drinks bar and it's slushes. So it's it's just like they've got 20 slush machines. 
Tango Ice Blasts. And all the kids are going mental because they've got the cup and what they're doing is they're just filling up their cup with every single flavour in one. Do you know what I mean? So it's just a mush. And the whole of the um, slush machine just stank as sick. <laughs> the, the sick isn't distracting me here. There was 20 slush flavours. Yes, that you could choose from. So you've got raspberry, you've got mint, you've got cola, you've got str- you've got everything. And you hold on, do you buy, do you buy, is it unlimited? You buy a cup and you go mad. Free refills? Yeah, you go mad. Coast is literally there. You stop the podcast. So, but you sent me a picture, mm. which was quite clearly only raspberry and blueberry. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a sane individual. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm not going to go for the rainbow of slushy. That's why people are puking up. Yeah. Vanilla and pineapple. Oh. <laughs> Mint. They've got all those sort of flavours, everything. Marshmallow, chocolate, and oh, it's ridiculous. Maybe the old Sophie Cinema Club Christmas do. I mean, I've got I've got a few locations in mind, but I might have to, might have, to have a look. I can't be doing that. I, my, with my track record and stomach, I can't be doing that. I'd do one of those Total Wipeouts. They'd be funny. Oh, what's that? What's that? Well, you know Total Wipeout, like yeah. a TV game big, show. Big Red Balls, Ben. Yeah. Big Red Balls. Big Red Balls, I know that. I love it. Do you do Big Red Balls? <laughs> I'd love to. I'm just saying I'd love oh, to. Oh, we should do it. We should. Christmas do. Everyone who listens can come down. Yeah. Oh, so you do the whole thing of jumping around, trying to get up a ramp. Yeah, great. I mean, it'd be the three of us, and it'd be who would win, and the winner saves Christmas. <laughs> ben, uh, stars being good, good as gold. That's been fine. Alarm. What what wakes you up in the morning? What wakes you up? What alarm wakes you up? Usually just your phone, isn't it? Just your phone, isn't it? Just a da da da, whatever it is, like that da da da. So I'm waking up this morning. Uh, classic FM, a flute. A flute. <laughs> Half six. The flute magician starts. I was like, what the fuck is that? Oh, I've put the alarm on. I've put the alarm on. It's classic. It would be very, like, calming. <laughs> that was my wake up. Because I just have the alarm or Colson just breaking the doors next to me. Mm. Uh, but that's been my week. An alarm. Colson's <laughs> obviously got something because he's completely pied asking me. Looked on his phone. No, I'm just... You, you've missed something out here, Ben. So we we got midway through the week and we had no shopping. And normally we would head over to Big Tesco's, Jack. Mm. But due to um, Manchester United versus Villarreal, Big Tesco's was out of the equation for me and Ben. Right. Because of football traffic. So we had to find another supermarket. So we went on our way there, didn't we, Ben? Yep. We went different. We went to left field, the Morrisons. Oof. Oof, hello. The one at Eccles. <laughs> yes. But it, it's, it's weird, isn't it, Jack? Because, you know, you're a Sainsbury's man. I'm a Tesco's man. Ben's Waitrose. <laughs> I can tell when Ben's been at the flat on his own because it's all M&S. <laughs> but you're fairly loyal to your supermarket, aren't you? You know, you stick to what you know. Well, I know the layout. Yeah. I know the I know the blueprints. So I walk in, I know where bread is, I know, I, I've got everything. I know where the condiments are. I know everything. I know what confectionery, I know what that means. Do you know what I mean? So 
I know what I'm doing. You're not going to choose to go somewhere else other than Regent Road, Sainsbury's, are you? No, because I've got to learn the supermarket. Morrison's, it's a, it's a market under one roof. Yeah. And so it, it was a bigger way. To, it was a bit of a, it was like a risk, wasn't it, Ben, of us going into the unknown? <laughs> what's for you? Because you're thinking, I bet they don't have the fucking things I like to eat here. That's what's in your head. As we've walked in, Ben's gone, this could be all right, this. And I've just turned around and gone, Ben, do you know why Morrison's is famous? And he was like, no. And I went, cold cuts and pies. And just walked off into the distance. The meat's good. The meat's good at Morrison's. Do you know what? Great music. Tune after tune. They had an empty aisle. They clicked the Bee Gees on. (laughs) This is absolutely fucking great. I fucked off. He's he's doing the shopping. So... He's following me around, and like I, I've kind of we've got a bit of a list in his head. I'm putting stuff in my basket. <laughs> I turn around, he's gone. He's nowhere to be seen. I'm a terrible shopper like that because y- you all go round and go, "Oh, we need this and we need that." And I'm like one of those kids, you know, when you have them on uh, like a bouncy cord, you can't let them a run lead, off. Yeah, a lead. And I'll just walk off because if I see something shiny, mm. I'll just walk off. So I'm d- uh, vitamins. I was like, ooh, I get some vitamins. So he's gone missing, Jack. So I'm doing the aisle run, looking up and down for Nick Tilsley in the middle of Morrison's Eccles. I find him. He's gone and got his own basket, hasn't he? He's having a great time. Because I'm just putting shit in I'd never get away with normally. (laughs) All we needed was ingredients for chicken and leek pie, which all you need is leeks, chicken Chicken. and creme fraiche. That's all we needed. £84. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously we go past and go, oh, they've got petrol. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, that, that that was probably the highlight of our week was Morrison's Away. Do you know what? Great music. Tune after tune. It's obviously their own radio, Morrison's Radio. Yeah. I'm like, this is fucking good by the little meat section. They've got one up on everybody else then. Because I don't think I've ever been in a supermarket and gone, it's about banging tune this <laughs> no. Jack it was tune after tune after tune they missed out Morrison's a way ahead here way ahead way ahead <laughs> they've got Annie Mack playing the tunes by the fruit <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting it out there now Sofa Cinema Club to take over Morrison's FM that's the dream gig do you know what I'd be all over that Seth move, move the stuff out the aisle let's get a dance floor on so, time to talk about the film, and this week's film, which is Jack and Ben's last pick of the series, is La Hen. And I think it's only time. It's kind of a once a series thing, this, isn't it, that Ben does the synopsis? So, <laughs> it's very short. Uh, 24 hours in the lives of three mates from the suburbs in France, set uh, the day after a violent riot. Is that it? Gotcha. A film in 24 hours. Filmed, as you're saying, in black and white, filmed in colour, and then changed to black and white. And they held it up their sleeve in colour in case it flopped. Yeah. 1995. Which is interesting. So when you're releasing a film, it's obviously an artistic decision, isn't it, to release it in black and white? Yeah. What are the pros and what are the cons of doing that? It's as simple as asking you, what do you get from seeing something in black and white and seeing something in colour. What do you get from it, Colson? What did you get? Because you mentioned black and white and colour a lot. Well, black and white instantly makes it feel older. Yeah. The first thing that I would go to is black and white makes it feel older. But then again, obviously, 
that film's been remastered, hasn't it? it? Had its 25 year anniversary and it got remastered. So I think that's probably why it was very good quality. But it was just sharper and brighter and darker at the same time. But I think what mm. the black and white does, especially for that film, because it's France and aerial shots of Paris and the ghetto, it kind of shows scale a bit more. That That's the only kind of thing that I got from it was it, it made it feel quite big and quite empty at times. Maybe it takes out some of that romantic nature you might associate with Paris. Yeah. And the suburbs and give it a very flat, brutalist feeling to it. The greys and the whites and the blacks, uh, which I think is what you're talking about when you're talking about contrast. It gives it a very... Yeah, that kind of hard nature, doesn't it? So this is obviously a big film for you because it's it's your last pick of the series. You always go fairly big guns. Why did you pick Lehen for this this app? I think Ben put me onto this film. I think relatively when you first started at work, I think um, I was telling you about my interest in films, and I think. I think you gave me it to watch. I think he brought it in on DVD and said, watch that, that's a really good film. Yeah, and I did watch it, obviously, and I do really like this film. And what what do you get... I wanted to ask you, Ben, actually. What do you get from this? Because at the time in, like, 1995, you'd have been... I was thinking about it when I was watching it. You'd have been down in London. For me, when I saw this, it mirrored very much how I felt and what had happened to me. I was with my mate. We were living in London... We'd moved from the north down to London, living right in the centre of London. Mm. I think what I get from it is I've always been fascinated by that kind of filmmaking. It feels semi-doc, but also the performances feel so real. And then the stuff in the loo when they're in the toilet, it's so unbelievably well filmed. It's so hard to make a film and it's really fucking hard to make a film that almost looks like a documentary. And I think the three boys, their performances were, weren't flashy. They felt like they were really feeling that. And also it had a bigger context in that, you know, I think France did have a problem with all this money in Paris and then the suburbs were just left. In 1994, in like the UK, we were into Britpop, the biggest problem in the UK really seemed to be like who was going to win in the charts between Oasis and Blur. And over in France, there was this sort of culture divide between society and people who were, were like uh, in the slums, you know, that on in like the projects. And there was there was a lot of a lot of racial problems going on between um, people who were from Algeria who were living in France. Uh, the police towards them. And, and I think the director and the writer of this film got the idea when there was a man who was in police custody and he ended up getting shot and killed while handcuffed to a chair in a police interrogation room. I think on his like death certificate, it said something like um, a gun went off in while he was uh, handcuffed to. So it was all very dodgy all very suspicious, and riots broke out because of it. And um, this filmmaker, who was only 25, 26 at the time, thought he could make a film about it, and he did, and he did so. And it had a a £2 million budget, and um, it got 
massive critical acclaim at Cannes. He won um, Best Director. It's sort of like it put France on the map a little bit, I think. They have a very strong... They have very strong film in France, but it's within France. They don't have... It doesn't blow out into Europe so much, but they have a very strong... And also the fact that... See how far that story comes in 24 hours. See how far those boys come. So in terms of the story, we've got three friends, haven't we? We've got um, Vince, Hubert and Saeed. So every character is their act is the actor it's the same name isn't it yeah which is that just something that i think yeah it must have been a choice obviously the director the director's probably just said look use your real names he's making sure that those three lads are completely within that film yeah so use your own names didn't fucking matter and then you're calling each other your own names and it's and then you're slightly taking down that barrier that you're playing a character and you just are because sometimes they're just bored. They don't know what to do, do they? There's even scenes when you see them bored and not having anything to do. They sort of sit around. They take the piss out of each other for a little bit. I think there's one bit, one scene where Saeed's throwing stones at Hubert. Yeah, at that kid who's telling that yeah, shit story. He's telling story. that shit story. Shit story, he keeps on it. He just slow tracking, shit story, shit punchline. Right, now what do we do? So we meet these characters um, for the first time and obviously it's it's early morning in the 24 hours and we kind of understand that um, it, it's a very weird time in France. Um, they're obviously in the ghettos, in the slums and a gun has gone missing, hasn't it, at the night of the riots. A police officer has lost his gun and that's kind of the rumour on the street. And we kind of, after meeting the characters and learning more about them and their friendship, we find... Um, Hubert in a, a gym, don't we? Is like a boxing gym, which is obviously his own gym. And he, although they're all the same age, he's kind of got a little bit more respect than all the others, hasn't he? He's not so much as into violence. Like the the other two, Vince and Saeed, just seem to like want to hit back. Well, what you see is that it seems like Vincent and Saeed have never got caught. Have never really, he mentions never going to prison. And it seems that Hubert has definitely had some experience of getting caught and it going wrong. And he's always trying to tell them. They're like lads in their own little bit. And Saeed's brother's a bit of a face, isn't he? Mm. And they put a piss people off. But they're not really up for the big stuff. And Hubert, you get the feeling, has seen the big stuff. Yeah, it, f- it feels like they're... The young lads, but they're not They're not in the gang. You know, they're, they're, they're a generation away is how it feels. But what what we learn is, obviously, Hubert's gym has been destroyed and um, a character who I don't actually think we meet, we only ever see him on, like, the news, um, Abel? Ab- Abel, I think. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's really hard because I've not heard these fucking names. I've only read them, haven't I? Because it's in French. Because <laughs> it got angry there, got angry. How can you fucking pick a film... With fucking, I've never seen these names, Ben. <laughs> so, Jack, I saw you yesterday and you asked me if I was watching the film. And yes. I said, I've already seen it. I watched yeah. it with Ben. Yeah. And then we couldn't talk anymore about it. And that that, that was it. That was end yeah. of conversation. So, what was your setup? How did it go down? Well, it, a bit of a reverse fixture because I've made a comment to Ben which he's not liked. As I've just mentioned, this film has subtitles. And Ben is sat in my position, in my corner, with his feet on my poof. Yeah? 
No. I'm on his chaise long with his blanket. <laughs> and it's I not said, a euphemism. <laughs> wrapped inside his blanket. He's wrapped him to, I've wrapped him up in a blanket on my chaise long. He's gone to me. Right, get up then. Like dad. You know when dad, you go around to your mate's house and dad's got his chair. Let's swap. Because I can't, I won't be able to read the subtitles. Oh God, it's ridiculous. No, that's a valid point. The screen is eighty inches, and we must be all a four foot away from it. <laughs> You've got like forty foot of screen in front of you. It's bigger than an IMAX. We go in there, and I'm like, I am a next breaking. Do you know? Do you know what? Actually, it's funny now. You now you're talking about the size of the TV. I don't normally have issues with it, but in terms of a subtitle film, when I was reading the subtitles, I couldn't see it all. So I was missing action for the sake of reading. Oh, I see what you mean. Because the screen's so big, you don't see everything going on. Yeah. But no, we we sat there in silence watching the film and then it ended and Ben just looked at me and went to bed. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's become watching it with someone who you're doing the podcast because you want to find out everything, what you thought of on here, don't we? When the film first starts up, just to talk about it, Burning and Looting, Bob Marley, great tune. <laughs> you said to me, is this what it looks like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this, is it, was... it going to be like this? Well, I'd worked out that it was 1995, so I worked out it didn't need to be black and <laughs> but white. you're literally talking about 1995, like it was 1905. <laughs> yeah, but, well, because I thought it was a black and white film, I didn't realise that it was an artistic choice until I'd, I'd worked that out. But then I was like, oh, fuck, I was expecting better quality than this. But it starts off with actual footage of real riots, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And they are real riots. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously the track of burning and looting. And the soundtrack throughout it is quite strong, really, but it kind of sets the scene of what Paris was like at that time. And that really relates to the film. Like, what I was just saying about the three lads, we find them in a position where one of their friends from the same ghetto as them, Abel, he, he's been injured in the riots, and he's in hospital, and he's in a critical condition. And they're all kind of on this rooftop, awaiting word of how he is. He's been shot, hasn't he? Yeah. By a police officer. And he becomes the focus for... Their anger or hate or the focus of the whole riot, what's happened to him and whether he'll die or not. Yeah, and it's kind of very much an attitude of, you know, we we don't do anything until we find out how he is and what he is. But the lads kind of, they get ushered away by the bigger boys, don't they, when, when the police get involved on the rooftop. But you're introduced also to that, you're introduced to that idea also of, Officers in uniform and officers out of uniform. Officers that that run along with the lads who are in plain clothes and officers that have a different side of the law. You get that feeling that officer who's pulling them away, who's in a leather jacket, dances both sides. He knows the lads. He's known them for years, all of them. And that rooftop is their little bit of freedom, isn't it? Their bit of a kind of social club. He's got sausages on the go and they're smoking and and they all look disaffected. They look like they've got nothing to do, like Jack said. They look bored. So he goes to the hospital, don't they, to, to see how their friend is. And again, they get ushered away by the police, don't they? That they're not allowed to be there. And it's every time they go anywhere, if the, anyone says they can't, it's a kick-off. Yeah. I love that scene when they, they get on the train, they go to, the, go to Paris, don't they? Yeah. And when they're in that art gallery, again, they're bored, something to do. They get in there, they see like there's free canopies, don't they? Yeah. So they think, right, we're hungry. We'll get some food, we'll get some free champagne. 
great. They're in there and they see the girls, don't they? And they want Saeed wants to talk, what wants to talk to them and maybe try and chat them up. Yeah. But they don't know how. They don't know how to communicate. Only Hubert knows how, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, he's got the experience in life. So they send him over. And this is when you sort of see how childlike childlike they are. How Saeed is... It's the classic thing of sending your mate over in a playground to go talk to the girl to say you fancy her. Yeah. So they do. And then the girls, fair enough, say, well, yeah, come over. We'll talk to you. And as soon as they do come over, it's almost like they don't know what to say. So they almost just sort of like jump, jump 10 sentences and talk about going and like having sex. Give me it's your like, number. Yeah, yeah. Give me it. Yeah. yeah. It's like that, that's not how it works. But it's that feeling of they all feel completely disenfranchised from the place they're in. Mm. They don't get it. They don't get the city. They don't get the art gallery. They don't get the people in it. They And the, vice versa. So they're completely worlds apart. They shouldn't be in that world. Neither of those worlds should meet is what I kind of got the feeling from it. When we're in Paris, we learn that Vince has picked up the gun that has been lost by a police officer. And the other two lads, they're, you know, they're they're not entirely comfortable with the situation, are they? But they kind of go with it. And Vince states very early on, from picking the film up, he's like, well, I'm going to keep it for protection. And, you know, if something does happen to Abel, if if, if he does die... And they get that feeling, doesn't he? Saeed gets that feeling that it changes Vincent a bit. It makes him provoke things more. He's looking for a reaction because he's got the gun. Because he says, have you got that gun? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, I knew you'd have that gun. I knew it. I could just tell. And he, it, Vincent wants to feel like he's the man, doesn't he? He stepped up and then they go into Paris to get this drug. They're getting, they're getting a drug debt, aren't they? They're collecting that drug debt. 100, 100, well, it can't be dollars. I mean, it says dollars, but I think yeah, the subtitles are... A, 100 francs or something? It must be francs. Yeah. It must have been francs back then. Yeah, and they go to go and see that drug dealer to go and pick it up. And that's the other thing. Each time they go, even when they're ringing the bells for the drug dealer, they don't know where he lives, so they ring them all. Mm. Yeah. In Paris, we've got a really good scene that Ben touched on earlier, which for me was the best scene in the film, which is the scene in the toilet in the bathroom. The toilet, yeah. It's either like a toilet in a train station or a, a public toilet, isn't it? And it's a really clever shot that has the three of them really close together in the shot, but really far away from each other in the schemes of things, doesn't it? With the, the mirror and the toilet and the cubicle. Yeah. And they're kind of having quite a heavy conversation, um, quite a private conversation, and it really shows a different side to the film because it then is instantly followed up by like some dry wit and almost humour of this guy in the toilet who has overheard everything and kind of goes on about this conversation about, is it being married, is he talking about? No. No. He's going to a labour camp. Yeah. So he's been in a camp, hasn't he, and he's had to work and he's had to get on the trains and have been made to sort of work and... The trains stop so that you can get off and have a crap. And one guy stopped, jumped off to go and have a crap. And the train starts to set off. Well, he takes the piss out of him. Yeah. The guy comes out the loo goes, oh, my mate was always shy and I used to take the piss out of him. So then he wouldn't take a shit. Yeah. He went and took a shit behind a bush because he was embarrassed. And then we got back on the train and the, and the train left. 
And the boys go, well, what happened? And he goes, well, he died. He froze to death. That brutality, what he'd seen, that man had seen, that old man had seen. And then it's kind of left like that, but beautifully. And the the man who's telling the story is sort of full of life, isn't he? Prior to him coming out the cubicle, though, they're talking about how their life is so bad. Yeah. And how they haven't got anything. And how they're literally the worst off people in the world. And this man comes out and tells this story and there's always someone else who's got it worse than you. Yeah. And he sort of says this story. Oh no, he died. He froze to death. That's it. That's the end of his life. And they're still confused as to why did he even tell us this? Yeah. And he told you this because of what you're talking about. And you don't even see that there's always someone else worse off than you. And it's about one of the only times where all three of them, they're sort of stopped they don't get it. They're all stopped, confused, thinking, yeah, but there must be a joke or a gag. Mm. And you're right. He's just left them with, maybe it's not that bad. They kind of split up, don't they, the boys? So Vince finds himself going with the older um, lads. And it's almost like he's getting a go at being with the older gang, isn't it? To see if he's strong enough, to see if he fits in. And they end up going on two separate like nights around Paris. And we have that moment where they're trying to get into a, like a lap dancing bar, aren't they? Um, him and the older lads. Well, they split up because they have that fight with the drug dealer, don't they? Vanta nicks off. They have that fight. They go and see the drug dealer for the debt. And it goes bad because he pulls a gun and the drug dealer guy pulls a gun. And it's clear that Vanta has never handled a gun and the drug dealer guy has handled a gun. And he fakes putting the bullets into the gun and goes, go on, then shoot yourself. And Van Sant can't. And it's that bit also that, like Jack saying, now you're in a different world. Now you're going to meet people. If you pull a gun, you'll, you'll meet a guy who uses a gun. Now it's escalating, isn't it? They come out, the cops are waiting. Hubert and Saeed get nicked and, that, and they get taken to the police station. And Van Sant leaves and tries to get to that lap dancing club. And the other boys get taken to the police station, interrogated. Yeah, and roughed up. Yeah quite bad as well and I loved that scene in the police interrogation room when they're teaching the rookie cop how to interrogate prisoners and suspects and they've got them chained to the table and they're manhandling them they're beating them and you can see this cop thinking this isn't right but what a beautiful piece of filmmaking he's got them in the background of a longer shot and he's right on that cop's face looking at it going this just is not right and I'm in a bad position because these two are above me, they're meant to be teaching me and this isn't right. You're beating these kids up. They don't know anything. For a bit of smoke, yeah, that's an amazing scene. It's amazing how he constructs that. It's so simple. So they've gone their separate ways and Vince is with the older guys and they can't get into this club and one of the older guys ends up shooting the bouncer, doesn't he? Shoot, shoots a flare into the bloody nightclub. Is that what it is, a flare? Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, two flares. <laughs> Burns his eyes. <laughs> yeah, because the bouncer kind of comes out and it's kind of a we run job. And as as they run, obviously, you can see in Vince's face that it's not quite what he was expecting and he's a bit scared by the like sheer brutality of it all. And... They end up almost bumping back into each other, don't they? Well, they go to the train. There's the last train. So they've been kept in in the police station deliberately. So they miss the last train. And then Valsan goes to the train station knowing there's only one train back. And they meet up. And I love that bit as well. They meet up. 
They haven't got on. He doesn't say anything. They don't say anything. And they just keep walking. Yeah. And that felt very much like my life when I was in London. Late at night, walking back, hadn't got enough money to get home. You all walk back. You walk through Hyde Park. Mm. And you walk down, you walk back home. It's going to be a long walk. And you pull your coat up and you walk back. You don't say anything. One of your mates is split off and eventually you meet each other and walk back. And they're back together, aren't they? Looking over Paris. And so he th- shouts down to them, there's a group of lads, skinheads, being Nazis. And sort of takes the piss out of them. And then you're in this kind of moment where they're just held almost as kids again, looking out over the city. And then they get met, don't they? They meet the skinheads. Mm. And that's when Vincent pulls the gun. Is that the director of the film? The skinhead? Yeah, he is. The lead skinhead is? That's the director, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that. But that's quite a violent interaction, isn't it? They start beating them up because they think they've got an advantage of them. And then, you know, they, he pulls a gun out and it's quite obvious that that changes everything. And then they kind of take the lead skinhead and have a bit of one-on-one time and basically say, don't you ever treat us like shit again. We don't deserve it. But it's a point that Hubert makes him, if you want to do it, do it now. If you're going to do it and be the big man... You can do it because th- no one's going to know, a bit like us, that you're missing this guy. No one's going to know. You've tried to beat some people up, so go on, do it, shoot him. And it is that moment where he's called, his bluff is called. And there's a lot through the film, but that's the kind of bit at the end where Hubert goes, you know, I'm tired of it, shoot him. And it is a really visceral scene because the guy's beaten up and he's got, he could shoot him and no one would know. And then it sort of ends it like we're done now. You've said your bit, get rid of the gun. You're never, you're never going to use again. You're not kind of in the Wild West. So it gives it Huber, doesn't it? Yeah, at the end when they get back. Yeah. Yeah, they, they get back into the ghetto and it is that bit of the kind of power struggle has ended. And I guess in this 24 hours, Vince has realised he's not the man that he wants to be yet. And he kind of gives Hubert the gun and it's like, they go their separate ways to sleep and they're going to be back and they're going to do it all over again the next day. That's kind of the feeling that you get. But also that feeling of that within 24 hours, they've grown up. Something's happened in that 24 hours. Well, their friends died and he hasn't killed a police officer. So he hasn't done it. So that's it. You're not going to do it if you haven't done it now. Yeah. Saeed and Vince go one way and Hubert goes the other way. And as Saeed and Vince go together, they're stopped, aren't they, again by police. And the police are kind of roughing them about and they're saying, it's these two, they were on the rooftop, they need taken in, blah, blah, blah. And Hubert turns around and notices what's going on and kind of walks over. And one of the police officers pulls a gun out as almost a bit of a joke, doesn't he? Well, it's the same guy who was on the roof. He's sort of taunting him, isn't he? And he's playing with him. He has no intention of using the gun, does he? Well, it's a a similar thing. It's a reflection, isn't it? Vincent pulls the gun, can't use the gun. The copper pulls a gun, doesn't use a gun. They're complete parallels of each other. It's kids against kids. They're both afraid. The police are afraid. The kids are afraid. And he pulls the gun and puts it to his head. And the gun goes off by mistake. And he's dead. And then Hubert pulls his gun and both him and the copper are locked in that kind of standoff. And then you go into Saeed's face like you did the mirror of the start of the film. And we're back around. It starts again. You know, that hate starts again. But I think it is what you're seeing with the police, especially those young police, 
is they're not too dissimilar to the people they're meant to be policing. So let's take a quick break and then we will come back and rate the film. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ratings time. I'll go first. Um, I think the director's done an amazing job with this film. I imagine not a lot of money. And the shots he's got... Not just because it's black and white. I mean, I'm sure that does add some sort of cinematic thing to it, but I, I don't know, just just his shots and his angles. Like that shot, we've not even talked about it, the one that's meant to be through the bathroom mirror, when Vincent Cassell at the beginning, and he's, he's, sort, he's, he's redoing the... Robert De Niro, isn't he? He's doing the De Niro, the taxi driver. And... I saw it straight away and I thought, I went, that's two actors. And, and my girlfriend who I was watching it with, she went, what do you mean? I went, there's two actors in this scene. I went, that's not Vincent Cassell. So the actor who's got his back to us, he's mimicking and doing exactly the same in unison, Vincent Cassell's mannerisms. And then as he ducks down to wash his face, you see in the mirror Vincent Cassell does. And then as the camera goes over his head, Vincent Cassell then comes up and your brain believes it's a mirror and it isn't. It's it's two actors facing each other. So clever. And yeah, it's just, it's just full of full of shots like that. Like I, I love the script's almost poetic as well. How they're all talking about, you know, sayings and things like that and they're talking about like the man falling off the skyscraper. Yeah. And like he stops at every yeah, floor. The dialogue's just all very it's great the the dialogue between the kids, the cursing between the kids, the public toilet scene. I love that scene. I love the interrogation scene. Yeah, rating. I'm gonna go eight point six for me. And I think it's a film that doesn't have much plot, but it doesn't need it. It is just twenty four hours. It's a day. That it's yeah. a day, and that's their life. Nothing really happens. They're bored, they're stuck in a rut, they're rats on a wheel. 
They're all trapped, you see. Yeah. The police are just as trapped within it. That scene at the beginning when you've got the police talking about the riots and how they had hold of them and we were beating them and we were doing this and doing that. And then they pass the boys on the way and they stop talking and then the boys go the other way and the camera follows them and they're talking about the exact same thing, how they had hold of the police and they were beating them. It's, it's like West Side Story. It's like a modern day... Yeah, loved it. 8.6. Really good. Ben? Uh, yeah, for everything Jack said, I think it's a highly accomplished piece of work that is can look very, very simple. And I remember when I first saw it in the cinema, seeing it in the cinema is very different as well. Uh, when I first saw it in the cinema, I remember being blown away and not really seeing so much life on screen. He gets so much life. He gets so much energy, so much passion on the screen and the shots are faultless he takes you sometimes handheld sometimes fixed sometimes a shot from behind he shows you paris he shows you where they live but he doesn't labor it and then he's showing within this within these three lads who you think are living this 24 hours he's showing you the wider picture of france at the same time mm-hmm. I mean, it's massively accomplished and he's Fucking 25. Mm. The director was 25. Yeah. He's t- how he's, t- he's tied in like all the slogans of graffiti on the wall, which completely mirrors exactly what they're talking about in scenes as well. So when he's picked his locations, it's kind of got hidden messages. Yeah. He gives you moments where you appear that there's nothing going on, but he's saying everything by nothing going on, like the young kid telling the story. The kid just holds on to this story because it's the best story he has and they're the big boys and he wants to tell the big boys and the story's a bit shit. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I just remember at the end, when it comes to the end, walking out the cinema and thinking, what the fuck have I just seen? I think I've just seen one of the best films when I was that age, one of the best films of my time. So it has a different resonance to me. Maybe it has a resonance that it was it felt very much of the time for me i was in london me and my mate were running around a bit like that you know feeling displaced we weren't from london and was this a cinema release in the uk yeah we saw it at the renoir i think st martin's lane so it was like it wasn't like a cinema release like you think of now but it wasn't hard to find no no it? no i mean that was what was different about cinemas then is uh, so you'd have your multiplexes, but you'd also have your independents. Yeah, like the Everyman, but then they would be like cheaper, like your Prince Charles would show you stuff. Then you had these other ones, Renoir and whatever, and you could go in the day. And we used to go to the cinema all day, every day, when we were young in London, because that's a couple of quid. You could jump into a French film. We saw loads, and then me and my mate walked out, and I was like, "Fuck!" You just yeah, if I think now at how accomplished that is at 25, 20... And the actors, they're just free. They're just fucking free. There's nothing pushed. So um, I'm struggling to not give it a 10. But it's up there. So I'll go 9.5. Two big scores. For me, like, I think you probably both appreciate that it probably isn't a film designed for me to watch like it, it, it's it's not my film is it <laughs> well it can be it's that's up to you if you if it's not your film it can be no i mean i don't mean in terms of story script shots i mean in terms of the fact that it's black and white it's fre- you know it's not the obvious film that is going to jump out to me going 
oh my God, he's going to absolutely love this. I, I completely appreciate the the way it was shot. Like the, the sharpness of the pictures, like it, it looks stunning. Every scene looks stunning. You can tell that they've worked hard on that. Like there's not one bit that they've just gone, yeah, that'll do. Like they've worked really hard to get something out of every little bit. Like even, even that first scene where Saeed's on the square and he's shouting up and there's people shouting, like the, the openness and the aloneness of him down there and him there and him across there. Like it kind of, it shows you a scale really easily. The contrazoom on the rooftops, you see that as well. It does It does just show you from start to finish that the director and like mainly those three actors have gone, let's not fuck this up. Like, Let's get this completely right. Let's work on every single detail that we can to make this an amazing film, which they have done. No one can deny it is a very good film. For me, it's that bit that I, I couldn't relate to the story. And I, I don't know why, because some films I can, and sometimes the most unrelatable films I can find myself in relating to. I like to put Coulson into a film, don't I? I? I like to, I fall in love with the story. The point of the film is that there isn't much story. That's the point as well. Do you know what I mean? These These have boring lives. And when they're pushed in hard situations what happens they sort of revolt and they rebel and they fight against the system and they lash out and then the police fight and then there's just riots well that's why the name translated is kind of perfect isn't it because it is just about hate and that's kind of what it does so well of summing up in an hour and a half is how those lads are living in hate and with hate it's a cinematic film, you have to see. A 7.5. Um, 25.6. Big film. That is big. So, Jem. Do you know what? We went low, and I think low worked. Don't call me an MD yet, but low seemed to work for us, I think. It freaked me out. <laughs> when you listen when to I it listen back. When I listen to it back, it freaked me out. Justin. We should do it in French. Well, we could if we could speak French. <laughs> what tune are you going for? Jack's hidden, hidden gem, gem of the, the week. week. Hidden gem of the week, Jack. Hidden gem this week. I've gone back to docs and it's one... It's a documentary that I watched in lockdown and it blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. I think you've both seen it and I thought I can't, I've not actually mentioned it on the podcast and I thought I'm going to have to mention it for those people that have got Netflix, but they haven't watched it and you should have watched it if you've got Netflix. It's called American Murder, The Family Next Door. Awful. Ben, we've watched this together. Not awful bad, awful good. No, it's worth watching, but don't watch it before you tea. No. Like, well, I mean, you can do. Basically, what happens is family, American suburbs, right? Your well, dogs have got something to say as well here, haven't they? Mental. I don't know what's happened down there. Basically, what it's about, it's... A suburban American family, relatively well off, fine, perfect family, white picket fence. Perfect life, everything in it, nothing wrong, good jobs, happy marriage. Yes, perfect, right? And 
the documentary starts off with... I think it's all sort of filmed, and how they've got their footage, it's from police videotapes, sort of like... You know how they've got those cameras on their uniform, and it's those sort of cameras how they've got the footage. And basically, the man phones the police because he's come home from work, and his wife's missing. I don't know if there's a note, I can't quite remember that, but she's missing, and he says it's unlike her to be missing, so he gets his... He gets the police to come around and sort of, like, figure out what's happened. That's all I'm going to tell you. Just watch it, because it is... <laughs> I'm not saying anything, because I give it away every time. Yeah, you so do. It's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. What's it on? The flicks? The Netflix? Four-parter? One part! Is it? 90 minutes, done. 90 minutes, done. Wow. And at the end of it, you'll be like, oh my fucking God. You will be straight on Google. (laughs) Straight on the Google. Are we ready to find out what is the last film of Sofa Cinema Club for Series 4? Yes. So we put it out to the audience last week for you guys at home to suggest what you want us to watch. And you sent in over 300 recommendations. So we had plenty to put into the old random generator. And what got spat out of the random generator made our semi-finals up, which was Midnight Express, which actually, Ben, do you know who it was recommended by? Who? Jane Danson. Jane Danson. There we go. Good taste in films, Jane. So the random generators worked a wonder there versus Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Semi-final two, we've got Sideways versus Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The final came out Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels versus Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So one of them is going to be the film. Jeez, Louise, you're pulling this out. (laughs) My God, one of these two films will win. Are you ready? Yeah, Jesus. Yes. Next week, we are watching... Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mint. I think my son loves this film. Yeah. I have seen this. Have you? It's a, It was sort of like every kid's best dream you could have. So that's what we're watching next week, and we want you to watch it along with us, and then join us next Thursday for the last time in Series 4 to find out what we loved, hated, and rated about the film. We will see you on Monday for the last E.T. episode, and then back here on Thursday for the last episode of Series 4. Good night, God. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bless. TTFN. (laughs) Bye-bye.